you're probably wondering why I'm carrying some baggage today. A number of years ago, we were in Dallas visiting our family over the Christmas break, and we had one of those super early morning flights to get back to Orlando, and so we packed the night before. I told our kids at the time, I said, hey, get all of your bags outside in the hallway so that early in the morning, I'm talking about like really early, like four o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm going to go through, I'm going to get the bags, and I'm going to go load the car, and then when I'm finished loading the car, it's time to get in the car and go to the airport. So we were staying at my sister-in-law's house. She had a beautiful home, beautiful winding staircase, wood floors on the edges, carpet in the middle. And so I'm leaving the very top, going down the staircase with bags in hand. And I'm now beginning to go down step by step by step, feeling my way through it because it's pitch dark. I'm barefooted. All I have is a pair of gym shorts on. And I am loaded down with bags. And as I'm going step by step, again, feeling my way with my bare feet on the carpet, I'm taking what I thought, what I thought was my last step. And then all of a sudden, as I stepped forward, it was a long step. And what had happened was, is that I didn't realize that there was a wood step. The last tread of the step was wood, which blended in with the wood floors in the foyer. And so therefore, when I took that last step, I ended up taking a big leap and I ended up falling down. Suitcases went everywhere and I'm literally laying on the floor in fetal position, screaming at the top of my voice. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely crazy and painful when all of a sudden the lights are turned on. Michelle comes, you know, she's like looking over, you know, upstairs like, what just happened? And that is what I was thinking to myself as I'm lying there on the floor with baggage everywhere. I'm thinking, what in the world just happened? And that is a picture of what happens in many of our lives when it comes to our relation slips where we trip and we fall. And I think a lot of times we find ourselves dazed and confused, somewhat disoriented, oftentimes even laying in our own pain of all that just happened. And we're thinking to ourselves, how did things go sideways? And that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Because what we're going to be learning is we're going to be learning what the Bible teaches us when it comes to the pitfalls, if you will, the things that often trip us up, which causes relation slips in our lives. And so whether you're single, whether you're married, blended family, whether you are, you know, a college student, young adult, it doesn't matter. We all face those challenges when it comes to relationships, right? It could be coworkers at work. 
It could be friends at school. It could be some extended family. But we all deal with those type of issues because when you are living with people, working with people, doing life with people, hanging out with people, guess what? <laughs> there are going to be some relationships along the way. Now, I got a question for you. How many of you know somebody who actually has some issues? Let me see your hands. Now, hopefully the person that who's got some issues not seated next to you. But we all know somebody who's got some issues, right? In other words, they got some baggage. Now, here's another question. Now, we're in church, so don't lie. Remember in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to God, God killed them. So, don't lie to God, okay? So, how many of you, just curious, how many of you would be willing to confess that you have some issues? Let me see your hands. All right, I see a number of people who did not raise their hand. And so therefore, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, guess what? That is your issue. And I think for a lot of us, you know, that is somewhat a part of the problem. We get our, we get ourselves get in the way, right? We, we become our own worst men, enemy at times because of a lot of the unresolved baggage, the unresolved issues that seem to kind of sabotage not only our life, but sabotage those relationships with people. And sadly and unfortunately, because of the unresolved issues and baggage in our lives, we have a tendency, once again, to pick up our baggage, pick up our unresolved issues, and guess what? After we've done damage to one relationship because of our unresolved baggage, we just take it with us into the next relationship, right? And that's just kind of the way the trend works. We go from one relationship to the next, but yet at the same time, we still fall into the same potholes and the same pitfalls. We fall into the same traps that keep tripping us up over and over and over again. Well, as a result, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. What I would consider to be the root problem or the root issues when it comes to the relation slips in our lives. And we're going to be talking about today a foundational issue or root problem that I have found to be not only true in my life, but I know if we were all to be transparent and honest today, you would probably confess that it's true even in your own life. And it, without question, it has affected some of our friendships. It's it, it has impacted maybe a marriage relationship. It has impacted relationships in our lives. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk for just a moment about the importance of dealing with unresolved baggage in our lives. Because I don't think there's anything that causes people to trip up and experience those relationships in their lives more so than unresolved baggage. You say, well, how do you deal with the unresolved baggage? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is a great verse of Scripture. In fact, I love Romans chapter 12, the whole chapter. But at the very beginning of Romans chapter, excuse me, in Hebrews, I should say, in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, 
One of the things that the writer, many believe to be the Apostle Paul, was emphasizing here was an analogy which was somewhat common with Paul as part of his themes or analogies that he would often write about when it came to issues of sports or those metaphors. And in this case, it was the metaphor, the analogy of a marathon or, or a runner within a race. And so here we have in verse 1 in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, these are the, these are the believers who have gone before us. These generationally are those who many have sacrificed, were martyred, those who walked out their faith, and as a result, who have gone on to be with the Lord. Guess what? They are cheering us on. They are saying, hey, we did it. You can do it too. And so they are affirming us. They are surrounding us and affirming us with, those, with that celebration and that affirmation and that support and encouragement. And Paul is reminding us of that. He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. What does he say? He said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You know, if our relationships, our friendships, our marriages are going to go the distance. It's just like the old saying, it's not how you start, it's how you what? It's how you finish. If we're going to go the distance... If we're going to be life-giving, if our relationships are going to be healthy and transformational, then guess what? We're going to need a lot of endurance. You know why? Because there's going to be a lot of things that emerge in a friendship. They're going to emerge in a relationship. And all of a sudden, it's going to put us in a position of reacting to situations and circumstances, oftentimes it is the unresolved baggage that begins to expose itself. Some unresolved issues that suddenly now come to the forefront in a friendship, in a relationship, in a marriage. And so the question is, in that moment, are we going to be able to work through it? Are we going to be able to persevere are we going to have the faith and the endurance to do whatever is necessary to grow through that so that, once again, we can run the race that God has marked out for us to run? Because if not, we're going to trip, we're going to fall. We're going to experience the relation slips that God never intended for us to experience. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, first and foremost, one of the things we need to do is we need to check our baggage. <laughs> it's so important that we understand that we, that we can't just, listen, we can't just carry it around from one friendship or one relationship or one marriage to another. At some point, we got to check our baggage. You say, well, how in the world do you check your baggage? Well, I'm going to share with you some things today from God's Word I think are going to be very, very helpful. Some principles that we can apply to our lives 
and put it into the context of maybe a current friendship or relationship that you're in, or maybe your marriage relationship, especially if there are some things that seemingly keep coming up, some issues that keep coming to the forefront that causes you to trip up, that causes conflict, that causes distance, that causes separation in your relationships. And the first is this, we have to reveal and confess our baggage. That's where it begins. We have to confess, we have to reveal and confess our own baggage in our lives. Now, I'll be honest with you, just to do a little reveal here of uh, something that I'm known for, and my wife Michelle, she gets boiling hot. I mean, like she's livid. When we travel, you know the drill, you go through TSA, and so, you know, you're already limited on how much you can put in a bag, right? Well, I try to cram as much stuff on the carry-on as I possibly can. Can I get an amen? I mean, who in the world wants to pay all these outrageous fees to check your stupid bags? I mean, come on. Well, I'm telling you, I'm preaching. So here's the deal. I have got my little shaving kit, and man, I got all my stuff in there. Shaving cream, tweezers, scissors, toothpaste, aftershave, I mean, whatever. And so I got it all in there. And, you know, when you put your, you got to take your shoes off, you, you, put, you put your stuff, you know, if you got computer, electronics, blah, 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 you got to put it all in the tray, right? So they pretty much strip you down and you got everything in the tray. So what happens? You, you send your stuff through, you know, the little conveyor belt there as it goes through the x-ray. They motion for you to come in. You know, you have to go in and you have to do this whole deal, you know what I'm saying? And then you step out and they kind of pat you down and, and they say, you're good to go. And all of a sudden I'm like, yes. And I kind of go over there to my stuff and all of a sudden there's a TSA person says, is this your bag? I say, yes. And here's what they do. They say, could you step over here, sir? And Michelle, at this point, she is like over it. Because she had already been lecturing me on the way to the airport. Whatever you do, we cannot be late. We cannot afford to be stopped for any reason. If you took anything that you weren't supposed to take, you need to deal with it now. I'm like, oh, they won't, they won't find out. And truthfully, five out of ten times, I get away with it. But it's the other five times that really sets her off. So anyway, all that to say, that's what happens with many of us, right? We take our unresolved issues, we take our, we take our, our baggage, and what do we do? We like to hide it. We like to conceal it. We like to pretend like, oh, everything's cool. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that those little things that we try to sneak in, you know, you only get, what, 3.7 or 3.8 ounces. You know, they tell you, put them, your shampoo in these little, you know, microscopic, you know, little bottles, you know, like, 
you know, or your shave cream, these little, you know, little, little bottles, 3.7, 3.8 ounces, you know, like, but that, that's not even practical. That won't even last me half a day. But here's the deal. What happens is, is all the little things that we try to cover up or those little things that we try to hide and conceal over time does what? They, the little issues become bigger issues and those bigger issues do what? They begin to weigh us down. Well, here's the problem. The problem is for many of us, we don't like to reveal and confess what it is that we have or what it is that perhaps is weighing us down when it comes to the baggage of our life or baggage of our past. And the reason why is because it's uncomfortable to come clean. It's uncomfortable to admit. It's uncomfortable to reveal and confess hurts and habits and hang-ups and issues that we maybe have either brought on ourselves or maybe other people have caused in our lives. And so either way, at the end of the day, nobody likes to deal with it, right? We'd much rather keep our dirty laundry in our, in our dirty clothes hamper, you know, kind of like tucked away so that nobody hopefully will ever see or find out what perhaps we keep carrying around with us. But in Proverbs 28 verse 13, it says it this way, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. It's interesting. If we try to deny, if we try to hide, if we try to suppress, if we try to push down all of the hurt, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, the abuse, all of the insecurities, listen, all of the stuff If we try to conceal it and we try to hide it and we try to maybe suppress it and push it down and pretend as though it doesn't exist, what does Proverbs say? You'll never prosper. You'll never have a healthy, life-giving, Jesus-centered friendship or relationship or marriage or relationships with extended family. Why? Because all of the stuff that you have going on in your life, it will emerge because we can try to suppress it we can try to repress it but eventually we're going to express it in unhealthy unproductive Christless ways that only creates more damage to the relationship it is the place where we fall into the trap and that's what causes the relation slips in our lives why because we never dealt with it we've been trying to conceal it but what does God say he says no 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 no. he says when we actually confess and then we turn from it we repent guess what then and only then can we actually receive mercy in our lives here's what I've come to realize in over 30 plus years of doing ministry and working with people you ready for this Hurt people, hurt people, bottom line. Hurt people, hurt people. And what God wants us to do, he wants us to identify our baggage. In other words, he wants us to put a name tag on the baggage. Why is that so important? 
Because what we try to cover, God eventually is going to uncover. But when we uncover it, guess what? Just like we sang a few moments ago, God covers it through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So why do we keep trying to hide it? We've got to put a name tag on it. Why is that important? Because if you can't name it, you can't defeat it. So at some point, you got to identify, you got to put a name tag on whatever unresolved, un, un, listen, whatever baggage that you're carrying, whatever unresolved issue is that you're just taking from one place to another in your life. And so here's where a lot of us are. When you think about naming the baggage, for some of us, maybe what we're carrying around with us is some spiritual baggage. You say, spiritual baggage? Huh. Trust me, as a pastor, there's a lot of people who have some spiritual baggage. You say, well, could you elaborate a little bit more on what you're talking about? Because, you know, I thought everybody was supposed to be, you know, freed up and, and right with the Lord when they go to church. If you only knew. What I mean by spiritual baggage is, is there are some of you here today, you grew up in a very legalistic home. Maybe you went to a legalistic church where it was all rules. It was a list of do's and don'ts. And there was just a spirit of condemnation. And there was a critical spirit that permeated not only the church, but the people inside the church. And maybe with your parents. And man, they were like the FBI. I mean, it was an eagle eye. I mean, they were, they were looking at you like a hawk, calling you out. You know, and what did it do? It made you feel so unworthy. It made you feel shameful. Put unnecessary, a false sense of guilt because of the accusations and the finger pointing and the the backbiting and the, the the you know all of the verbal jabs and you know people singling and pointing you out because of your unspiritual unchristlike decisions or what you wore you were always feeling judged spiritual baggage some of you you grew up in a situation or maybe you had somewhat of a predisposition towards church you say, what do you mean? Well, there are a lot of people who maybe they heard something negative about a particular church or whatever. And so by reputation, you know, the, whatever the situation may have been, all of a sudden now this person goes from this church to that church with somewhat of a cynical, skeptical attitude and spirit. And they take that cynical and attitude, skeptical spirit everywhere they go. Why? Because of the spiritual baggage of a pre, maybe a predisposition they have about church or about the leadership of the church or whatever it might be, fill in your own blank. At the end of the day, they just carry that same spirit from church to church to church to church, looking for the perfect church. And I just want to say right here up front, just save you a little time, okay? If you are here today and you are looking for the perfect church, whatever you do, do not become a part of ours. Because we are just imperfect people who serve a perfect God. And we are all a work in progress. Can I get an amen? So if you're looking for the perfect church, well, good luck. Because the last I checked, Jesus had to die for all. 
We're all sinners in need of a Savior. There's none righteous, not even one. And again, if you think you're that righteous person, chances are there's a lot of baggage you're still carrying. Look, at the end of the day, we all have baggage. Some of it's spiritual baggage. You know, some of your spiritual baggage may not even be issues with the church. Some of your issues when it comes to spiritual baggage might just be issues with God. Because your, your whole thought is, is, well, I've prayed and I've asked God for miracle after miracle, breakthrough after breakthrough. I've given my money. I've, I've served the church. I've volunteered. I've done this and I've done that. God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't make good on his promises. And what happens? They become angry with God. They got a chip on their shoulder. They no longer trust God because from their perspective, God let them down. Some people, their beef is not even with the church or with God. Their beef is with the people inside the church. Because their whole spiritual baggage is is that they're just sick and tired of being around the so-called Christians who live like the devil during the week. Who kind of have that double standard lifestyle who say one thing on Sunday but live a whole different ball game during the week. Known as hypocrites. And I always tell those people, well, hey, come join us. <laughs> You'll fit right in because none of us have got our act together, right? So at the end of the day, we all have spiritual baggage. A lot of people not only have spiritual baggage, but guess what? They have what I often refer to as maybe just the, the physical baggage, the emotional baggage, and the relational baggage from hurt. Betrayal, disappointment, abuse, what was verbally, sexually, emotionally. And as a result, we begin to feel guilt and shame and feel unworthy, hurt, confusion, anger. All of these emotions that suddenly we just carry with us and what happens it gets heavier and heavier and heavier in our lives can I just be real with you today we are all in some way shape or another we are all a product of our past but listen to me and look at me this is so important Even though we all may be somewhat of a product of our past, that does not mean, because we have a choice, it does not mean that we have to be a prisoner of our past. Because of the blood of Jesus, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, and because of the fact that Jesus Christ came back to life, guess what? That means that we don't have to live a life of the past. No, we can be set free to live a life of the future knowing that Jesus Christ has set us free. Because the Bible says when we understand and we know and we embrace and we actually apply the truth of the Word of God, the truth is what? sets us free and many of us need to be set free today and whether it's spiritual baggage relational baggage whether it's you know some other kind of baggage in your life we all need 
to come clean. In other words, we need to reveal it and we need to speak it. In Job chapter 7, verse 11, I love this. It says, therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in anguish of my, in, in, in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. In other words, rather than continuing to hide, conceal, you know, suppress or repress whatever it was that Job was dealing with. And I'm getting ready to share you with you in a moment some of the specific things that he was dealing with. But at the end of the day, we got to speak it out. We got to name it. We got to put a name tag on whatever baggage it is. And we got to reveal it and we got to confess it. We got to turn from it. We got to repent of it. It's exactly what David did in Psalm 51. I encourage you to read the entire passage of Psalm 51. It's a beautiful prayer of repentance and confession and where he's revealing his, the era of his way. He was coming before God, bringing his own baggage, admitting to God of his unrighteousness. And here's what he said in Psalm 51 verses 1 and 2. And this is not in your notes, but let me just read it to you. He said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. He said, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And in verse 10, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to reveal and we need to confess whatever baggage that we are carrying around in our lives. Why? Because if we don't deal with it, guess what? It gets heavier and heavier and we slip and we fall and it only causes more and more relation slips in our lives. Why? Because we fail to reveal and confess whatever it is that we have allowed to weigh us down and trip us up. So you say, well, what do I do? Because there's been a lot of issues, there's been a lot of hurts, a lot of hang-ups, there's been a lot of things that have happened to me, and things that I didn't necessarily commit or do, but things that other people have done to me, things that have been said about me, things that have happened in my life. What do I do? Can I give you three prayers today? These last three things that I want to share today. I just want to encourage you to turn them into three specific prayers. And it goes like this. Number one, we need to renew our minds. So in other words, we just need to pray. And when you say, God, will you help me renew my mind with your truth? Renew my mind with your truth. Romans 12 verse 2 says it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world any longer. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able... To test and to prove what God's will is, which is what? Which is good and pleasing and perfect. So my question to you, what are the lies that the devil has been telling you that you, over time, have allowed to become truth in your mind? Because that's exactly what happens. We begin to believe the lies like, oh, well, I can't trust people anymore. This person betrayed me. This person hurt me. So what do we do? We build a wall around our heart to what? To protect us from ever getting hurt or for allowing anybody to ever get close to us again. 
We believe the lies of, well, God just doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. If that were to be the case, then those things or those people would have never done those things to me or treated me that way. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And yet we believe those lies over time to become truth in our lives. And here's what we know about our thoughts. Listen, without a doubt, we do know this, that the spiritual battle that takes place in our lives is won or lost right here in the mind. And it is the battle between God's truth and Satan's lies. And many of us have strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are the baggage. Strongholds are the things that we keep carrying around, place to place, relationship to relationship. They're the strongholds that keep weighing us down and tripping us up. But we got to reveal them and confess them. And we need to ask God to help us renew our minds. Because it is the strongholds that keep tripping us up time and time again. What is the stronghold? It is a lie. It is a deception. And what happens is it puts ourselves in a self-imposed prison over time. Therefore, we're living in bondage. Therefore, we live, we live with a sense of insecurity. Therefore, we're afraid to get close to people. We're afraid to open up. We're afraid to experience intimacy. We're afraid of what people might say, what people might do, because we are in this self-imposed prison, because everything we've ever heard, everything we've ever thought in our minds has now become true, and they're lies from the pit of hell. And so... We have to deal with the strongholds. Scientists call it a neurological pathway in your brain. It's kind of like if you have ever seen a patch of grass that over time becomes a kind of like a trodden down pathway because there's been so much traffic going back and forth on that specific you know, a pathway of grass. And what happens over time, it just gets worn down. It gets so thin, it begins to, ultimately, it dies. That's exactly what happens, according to science, that's exactly what happens in our minds. We have a neurological pathway that's been created over time. Those lies have now become the default, and that has now become just the way we begin to think and process and ultimately live out our lives, but it is all based on lies. Now, science or scientists, you know what they call that? They say, okay, well, you need to rewire your brain. They refer to it as rewiring your brain. But you know what God's word says? It's not rewiring your brain. It's this, it is renewing your mind with the truth of the word of God. And so we've got to renew, we got to, listen, we got to get rid of, we got to Reveal and confess whatever that stuff is, whatever the un, you know, checked baggage, whatever it is, got to name it so we can defeat it. And it begins by renewing our minds with the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says it this way. Again, this is not in your notes. We demolish, in other words, we crush arguments and every pretension. What is that? That is the false claims of the evil one that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. 
And not only that, Ephesians 4, verses 22 and 23 says it this way. This is in your notes. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So we got to reveal and confess. We need to pray and say, God, would you help renew my mind with the truth of your word? And then we need to pray another prayer. And that is, God, will you restore what's lost? God, would you just restore what's lost in my life? Some of you remember during the Christmas holidays, the debacle that took place among a lot of airlines, but specifically it was Southwest, and not to throw Southwest under the bus, but Southwest had a major hiccup, (laughs) and literally thousands of flights were canceled, and our son Luke was home for Christmas, but he was supposed to fly back out like so many other people, and he got stranded because he couldn't get a flight out. Unfortunately, his bags were nowhere to be found. We went out to the airport multiple times, of course, tried to call, couldn't get through, and they just kept telling him, like, Kind of like, hey, you're welcome to go out to the airport and look, which we did. And I'm telling you, as far as the eye could see, literally thousands and thousands of bags. And we just said, forget it. And they eventually told us that they will get to their destination, wherever your destination may be. And of course, Luke's situation, that was Nashville. But he was stranded, couldn't get a flight out for another week. But he had nothing. Everything had been checked. All of his clothes, you know, his toiletry items, I mean, all of his essentials and necessities, they were somewhere out at the airport. So we finally learned from Southwest, they said, well, go and get whatever you need to replace what has been lost, what is missing, keep your receipts, and we will refund you. Well, man, that was music to Luke's ears. He was like, man, we're going to go to Gucci. We're going to be going to, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was like, hey, man, let's, you think they'll actually reimburse me if I buy this Louis Vuitton? No, no, we can't go there. But we did get some good deals and steals. He was so excited. Got all new clothes, new stuff. Turned in the receipts. Guess what? They were refunded 100% of our money. He was on cloud nine. He loves Southwest Airlines now. (laughs) And guess what? When he eventually made it back to Nashville, guess what was there? All of his old stuff. So you know what that means? Hey, God is in the business of restoring and replacing that which has been lost in our lives. And you know what, whether that is maybe a sense of innocence and purity, maybe it's lost hopes and dreams and and goals and aspirations you've held in your heart for all these years that never have materialized, whatever it might be. Listen to me, God, we say about it a few moments ago, Isaiah 61 says, God turns our ashes into 
beauty. He turns our mourning into dancing. If Psalm 51, what did David say? In his confession, he said, oh God, give me back my joy again. He was wanting what was lost in his life, which was the joy of the Lord. In Psalm 71, verse 20, it says, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore to my life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. Jeremiah 30 verse 30, Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says it this way, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. Job lost his friend, excuse me, he lost his family, he lost his fortune, he lost his health. And you know what? He still remained faithful through it all. He endured to the end. And the Bible says at the end of Job that Job at the end of his life actually got more at the end of his life than he had at the beginning of his life. You know what that means? God gives us double for our trouble. Can I get an amen? Man, God wants to restore what has been lost, whatever the enemy has tried to take from you. God wants to replace it. And then lastly, I want to close with this, and that is the last prayer. God, would you help me release my offender? You need to put a name to your bags. You put a, need, to, need to put a name and a face to your offender, whoever portrayed you, hurt you, abused you, said false things about you, stabbed you in the back, lied about you, hurt people, hurt people. I've lived that, experienced that, there's nothing more painful. Hurt people, hurt people. Colossians 3, verse 13 says this, make allowance for each, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others I'm a firm believer in counseling and like any profession there are good counselors bad counselors but a non-biblical counselor who doesn't approach counseling from a Christ-centered biblical perspective here's what they do when it comes to hurt and offense, they approach their therapy this way. A non-biblical approach starts with a process. And they say, let's work through this process. And then let's work through this process. And then let's work through this process. And then forgiveness will come. But Jesus has a different approach. That's not the way God 
approaches it. God starts with forgiveness, and then there is a process that follows. And some of you may be saying, whoa, 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 but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what happened to me. Jesus knows what has happened in my life, what has happened in your life. Jesus knows my sin, and he knows your sin. And what did Jesus do? As he was hanging on the cross, he started with forgiveness, and he said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're even doing. We have to release our offenders. We have to let go of whatever baggage we're carrying in our lives. Because if we continue to carry it, it's going to get heavier and heavier. And eventually, it's going to cause us to trip and fall. And we're only going to have more and more relationships in our lives. And God wants us to let go and release the baggage. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. It doesn't matter. Release it. Lay it at the foot of the cross. And live and walk in freedom. Because that's what the truth of the word of God and the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ can do in our lives. He and he alone, because of the resurrection of Jesus, can set us free from the bondage of our lives. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to... conclude our service today by doing something a little different and every week we are building on this foundation we're going to be talking about a lot of things we're going to unpack a lot of things when it comes to the relationships in our lives and I just want to say to you whatever you do do not miss a week if at all possible but as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed I can't imagine us walking out of here without giving you an opportunity to deal with some of the baggage, letting go once and for all some stuff you've been carrying around. And so I'm going to ask you, in a spirit of reverence and quietness, I'm going to invite you right where you are to take the, what we call our Connect Guide there is a place on the back that's blank where it says notes. And what I want to invite you to do is to take that connect card and I want to encourage you to maybe just tear off the perforated portion there that you can turn in here shortly. But the other portion that has the blank space there where the notes section is, I want you to take a pen. And what I want to invite you to do today 
And this is between you and the Lord. Again, those who try to conceal, those who hide, those who try to pretend it's not there, will never prosper. But those who reveal and confess and turn from whatever that might be, then and only then will we receive mercy. And I want you to take that pen and I want you to write whatever it is. Put a name tag on the bag today. If it's bitterness, if it's anger, if it's guilt, if it is shame, if it is rejection, betrayal, if you can't name it, you cannot defeat it. So I just want to encourage you, if in your heart today you are weighed down by something and you're sick and tired of it just robbing you, and you're tired of the enemy using it against you to defeat you, and to hold you in that stronghold, that place of bondage and defeat, I want to give you the opportunity to put whatever that person's you may just want to put that person's first name or put whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever hurt. What I'm going to invite you to do is just to write that down. And if you're identifying a person, only put a first name. But what I'm going to invite you to do, if you feel comfortable in doing that, I'm going to invite you to write that down. And then I want you just to tear it off. And then I want you to fold it. And what I'm going to ask that our team do is I'm going to ask them to lead us in just a brief song and enough time to allow those of you there at your seats to take whatever it is that you've written on the inside here. Now I'm going to ask you just to come and release it and lay it right up here at the foot of the stage and that is your way of laying it at the foot of the cross and that is your way of once and for all not only revealing it but it is your way of releasing it and I'm going to invite you when you do when you finish with that just to simply return to your seat in a spirit of worship and that is going to be your way of saying once and for all I am letting go and I'm letting God have complete control and victory over that area of my life and we're going to have our prayer team that's going to be standing off over here on both sides, both corners. And if you need someone to talk to, pray for, pray with you, pray over you about some specific things, by all means, they're here for you to support you and to stand with you. So I'm going to invite us all to stand to our feet. And I'm going to invite us at this time, I'm going to ask that our team just lead us. And let's do business with God today. Let's come clean. Let's release it. Let's get rid of it once and for all, and let's lay it all here at the foot of the cross today. Process that follows. Some of you may be saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know me. You don't know what Jesus knows happened in my life, happened in your life.
knows my sin, sin. And what did Jesus do? As he was hanging on the cross, he started with forgiveness. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know 